Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favour to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello and welcome to The Call on this Friday, the 13th of August. I'm Nadine Blaney. Over the next hour, we will detail 10 stocks that you've picked with two expert guests. We've also got a stock of the day. And if you are watching us on Twitter, welcome. On Facebook, welcome. YouTube, we do this each and every weekday between 12 and 1 Eastern. Today, I have Junbei Lu from Tribeca Investment Partners and Claude Walker from A Rich Life here with me. A big welcome to you both. Claude, commiserations uh, with the camera <coughs> now in lockdown, but I noticed on your Twitter feed that uh, you've taken panic buying to a whole new level. I uh, just uh, lighthearted, went out to stock up on cheese yesterday. I just felt like I need to do something, but, you know, I had enough toilet paper. So yeah. um, I guess it's that helpless feeling uh, when you know that you're in for a lockdown and you don't know how long it'll be. Yeah, got it. Uh, Jinbei and I can relate. Jinbei, I don't know about you, but um, Treasury Wine Estates has got to be doing pretty well out of this oh, lockdown. I Absolutely, and you've got to stock up or stock up on all these essentials, living essentials. It's your food, your alcohol, as well as Netflix uh, subscription. Oh, absolutely. I've got so many subscriptions right now in my house. There will be a purge one day, and I look forward to it. Listen, uh, reporting season was the dominant uh, theme from this week, so to keep it going, I thought we'd pick baby bunting as the stock of the day today. Jumbei, the market has not treated this one very kind, even though we saw net pat up 35%, driven by a pop in shares, fully frank dividend of 8.3 cents per share. Uh, the CEO saying that it was a tremendous year. So Jumbei, the selling that we're seeing today on this Friday, does it come down to that lack of guidance or is it a function of just the great run that baby bunting has had look it comes down to the great run at this point market is really looking for a company um you know what they uh, that's going to grow over the next 12 months or 12 months or two years um you know for baby bunting it's kind of uh, it's you know it's always belonged to that essential services space so it, it's earning didn't really quite get um, hurt as much as other retailers and uh, and the like, and you know it does have some of the you know stronger comps to now cycle. Um, you know, report to some of the negative comps, the trading comps at the moment. So um, it certainly makes market um, you know le less comfortable in terms of the growth for the next 12 to 24 months. Now this business is well positioned given the baby boom with we've seen in the last 12 months and the next few years but it's just the um you know it's it's going to start cycling some of the strong numbers and um and at this point you know market is just not sure um how far it's going to fall in terms of the earnings um before we look this revisits again um you know for the uh, rebase earning to grow again and would you be interested in this company on a more significant pullback or uh, has has it's time you know come and gone for you june june bay 
Oh, look, absolutely. Um, look, this is a, um, you know, this, this this industry actually has has gone through a significant amount of consolidation um, and, um, you know, rationalization. Uh, previously had a lot of competition and then the previous uh, competitors all, you know, sort of didn't quite survive. And Leaves Baby Bunting has really, really strong uh, scale um, and also geographical presence. Um, and in the environment where, you know, the birth number does look like it will be pretty good for quite some time. And this is, um, this business will benefit over the next few years it's just for the time being um, near-term earning might be a little bit disrupted just didn't look um, you know in terms of growth doesn't look as uh, you know uh, exciting as some other business may will be growing over the next few years um, but I think it's absolutely a business that you want to um, buy back into uh, once they get experience significant sell-off okay a hold I'm gonna call that a hold for now if you're in it but it's not a buy today is that fair Jimbe? that's right okay Claude uh, a rollout in New Zealand is what uh, also steals a lot of the focus around baby bunting. There is execution risk. I mean, we're feeling it right now with the travel bubble over and the lockdowns in New Zealand, low vaccination rates in New Zealand as well. So is that a risk that you would prefer to stay away from? Watch how the store rollout in New Zealand will go before you'd buy a company like this. Um, that is definitely a risk to be aware of. That's probably not what would concern me so much or what would keep me away. Um, I think for somebody that doesn't invest in a lot of retail stocks, I've looked at a lot at this one and talked a lot about it. Um, basically, just to restate, you know, for the people just coming to this name or just thinking about the first time, the reason that Baby Bunting is a really interesting and good retailer is, first of all, like a few years ago, a bunch of its competitors went out of business. Second of all, um, it's sort of possible to um, make more, more of a moat for yourself when you're in um, retailing for baby for two reasons. First of all, one, um, the market will bear higher margins. Uh, brand is extra important when people are thinking about what car seat they want to get or what pram they want to get the safest one. You know, there's something atavistic and evolutionary about how much we usually care about our children. Um, and so they can exploit that to get higher margins. And you've seen that with the gross profit up um, 18%. So that's um, despite the fact that they have had some weakness, uh, some same source sales more recently has been going down weaker. So basically what I've been saying about this stock for a while now is that it's a really high quality retailer, but it is priced as such, like based on the current earnings per share that they just did, um, that's a 40 times earnings multiple. Now, if you want, you can believe you can say, oh, take out this, take out that because it doesn't count and it's not their pro forma earnings. But if you want to just take a like harsher view of it and just look at the statutory earnings, then it looks pretty expensive to me. And, um, you know, it deserves to be expensive, but where's your upside? Um, where's your upside if you're buying a good quality retailer on a high multiple? Like you can get decent quality retailers that aren't that much worse than baby bouncing for like half the price to earnings multiple. So I think that's your major risk with baby mm -hmm. bunting right now. It's just um, it's just priced reasonably high, and if anything goes wrong, it'll therefore be punished extremely badly. But if everything goes right, then it might just keep like creep up a little bit, um, because that's what the market's already expecting. So, yeah, the risk reward doesn't stack up for me. So it's a hold, if you've got it. I hold it. I hold it best. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, okay. I, I don't tend to be a long-term buy and hold investor in retailers because mm -hmm. it's very hard to find a retailer that keeps on winning for like decades, but. You know, I guess um, Solly Lou sometimes does it. Breville's pretty good. There's a few that have done it.
Yeah, Breville reports next week. Uh, JB Hi-Fi reports next week as well. Another so different. looking forward to that. Um, now we've got a question, our first question from our viewer coming from Kaz in the wake of a report coming from Megaport. MP1 is the ticker code for those of you playing at home. Kaz wants to know if you thought it was a solid result. Um, if it's acquiring Innovedge, what do the experts think? I might start with you, Claude, on this one. Yeah, right. So M uh, Megaport is a business that I'm certainly interested in because, you know, essentially what they are doing is they are trying to allow uh, large companies to, you know, have their internal connectivity uh, much more cheaply and, and faster. Um, but so it's in the internet infrastructure kind of game. And, you know, essentially what's happened is that they've found a slightly different way of doing things without getting into the technical details, which has certain advantages. And their way of doing things um, has sort of gradually been getting software-defined networks, has been gradually getting market share off the old ways at the expense of some, you know, legacy large internet connectivity providers. Having said that, um, so whilst I agree with uh, the fact that there's probably a tailwind here and they have a sustainable... Um, advantage in that they will grow and you can see that they have been increasing their revenue um what you've got to remember is that as a um as a actual infrastructure provider they these guys have much lower gross margins than um say you know some really great high margin um software company mm -hmm. so given that these are very much in the in the realm of the stonk where most people are just like looking at the um, revenue multiple rather than, you know, these guys that have no earnings, have no dividends. There's no way we can't value them. Like we can value baby bunting, um, which of course puts them in a more high risk category to start with. Um, basically, you know, I cannot for the life of me um, get my head around the valuation. So they've made a recent acquisition alongside the um, yep. the most recent results, which totally makes sense. It's a small acquisition. It looks like they're mostly buying the team and they're buying the technology. So it's not going to necessarily add heaps of um, you know value to them, but it sounds like it's strategic and that probably makes perfect sense. But it's just the pricing that gets me on this one. Um, the last half, you know, the, the gross profit was a little under 25 million. So if we just say it's doing gross profit of 50 million per year, well, it has a $6.2 billion um, dollar market cap. So it's on 50 times gross profit. Like mm -hmm. even now that uh, the reason I'm using gross profit is because that is more analogous to high quality software revenue. Yeah. So it just looks expensive by any okay. measure. I think a lot of it's become a bit of a me too stock. A lot of funds, you know, want to buy it. It's going to get like it's in the index. Mm -hmm. It just has an attraction that way as a growth stock. Um, but I just think the pricing has um, gone crazy. Okay. So, Junbei, do you think that Megaport is riding the coattails of other higher growth stocks in the ASX? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think Megaport, um, you know, uh, it's, it's absolutely right. Megaport is an infrastructure stock. It's an infrastructure for the future. So in the ASX, um, you know, in, in the Australian Stock Exchange, we don't have that many opportunities. There's NextDC, which is more focused on the data center. And Megaport is actually the software that sits within a lot of those data center and facilitate the connectivity for the small businesses, for the large businesses. And Megaport actually has, um, you know, enormous market share. It's number one market leader in that 
space. It's the innovator of that space, and it's going through rapid growth. Now, these business, you can't look at them on current day's earning. Um, it just reached the cash flow break-even um, by June this year. And, um, you know, from here on, we should expect a significant scalability because, um, you know, for the same as data center, for them to, um, you know, go through such rapid growth, they have to go out and win the contract and build the infrastructure. So, um, you know, first 10 years of this business's life is really about building infrastructure. Every new area they go into, they have to build uh, the infrastructure, then they get the customer and bolt on. And then the scalability from then on, it's essentially 100% margin. So, you know, because you already sunk a lot of those costs, every new customer is essentially 100% margin. So um, what the today's share price is trying to do is essentially ascertain in five years time, what are you paying for them once they actually get those customers on? And the Megapore actually has demonstrated significant ability to actually get a lot of those large business SME businesses um, and so that's why when you look at this business it's incredibly important about new customer ads uh, quality of the customer the churn um, as well as new product stream that they launching and recently they um, signed a deal with Cisco and then they're launching that new um, you know new uh, revenue stream which most of the consensus has yet to put in um, and that pipeline has grown significantly so um, long story short I think the business is a fantastic it's leverage to that cloud computing to the demand for data uh, for connectivity globally um, but it is a long-term investment um, you're not going to see the um, you know the earnings um, you know jump significant well, not earnings revenue will jump but you know to see the profitability certainly reach there because it's all about the new customer ads um, you know the stock has um, you know, rallied into this result 40% or something in the last few months. And that's very, well, tactically, the share price probably will come off somewhat. Um, that's why I'm sitting at a hold. But any significant pullback, it really should, um, you know, get investors to look into this one for its long-term exposure to that space. Um, just quite frankly, our investor, you know, our index don't have many of those exposures. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Got it. All right. That is Megaport MP1 under our belts. Let's get to the next company for Florence and its Australian Clinical Labs, ACL. Uh, it is, I didn't know this, the third largest pathology services provider in Australia. So, Bay, I suppose margins are also very important to uh, ACL. Look, absolutely. This company is in a good spot at the moment because uh, they generate a lot of money from testing, um, you know, the COVID testing and the like. So um, perfect environment at this point probably will re report a very good result. Um, but, main, but my main issue is that um, in that pathology, um, you know, lab space, Australia is actually quite consolidated. We got uh, the Sonic and then we got the primary. Um, both of them, you know, are 
pretty much dominate the market. And then you've got the um, the, this lab, the third one. Um, and and for pathology businesses throughout cycle, um, you know, without thinking about the COVID, um, normally it's a very thin margin business. It's all about volume and it's all about scale. And prices remain static, but then you have to provide more and more services. So um, in so this business actually pre-COVID, um, it struggled to it only just reached the cash flow break even. Um, and COVID obviously brought on a lot of high margin testing and things. Um, so you've seen has seen this business going through you know pretty good earnings growth. Um, I guess the challenge is for going forward when the COVID testing um, evaporates, um, what happens to this business um, standalone on by itself? Um, you know, if you want to be exposed to that testing space um, by primary. Um, Sonic's more global, but primary gives a fantastic exposure into that space. Um, that is Sal for me. Okay, Sal, got it. Um, Claude, what can you add to Australian clinical labs? I have a fairly different view. So I wrote an article about this uh, a few weeks ago um, when the share price was about $3.60. And I, I also bought shares before and after that around that time. And the reason that uh, I bought shares then is basically that was in July um, around the time this uh, Delta outbreak was starting in Australia and in particular Sydney. Sydney. And what's different between uh, Australian clinical labs or one of the differences between, say, that and Sonic, which I've owned in the past, is that Sonic Healthcare is like a great quality company, but it's very global in nature. So what's happening here in Australia is probably not going to have uh, that much of a huge difference on Sonic's um, bottom line. Whereas because Australian Clinical Labs is just in Australia, um, it has a much more profound effect when we go into, you know, massive, you know, COVID testing gear, which we are in and we're going to be in for a while. And if you look at their, um, you know, their prospectus, basically, you know, this is not the sexiest business, as uh, Junbei said, you know, it was uh, not doing amazingly well prior to uh, the IPO. Having said that, you know, the IPO did bring in another acquisition, so it got a little bit bigger with that. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that it's small means that even though, yes, most of the market is consolidated, even if they just make another purchase that's a relatively small purchase, like these guys are expected to make about $83 million profit in the most recent half, even a smaller, you know, acquisition that that brings on $4 million profit, that can still get them a bit of growth through acquisition where that's a lot harder for those larger ones to do like Helios mm-hmm. or, uh, uh, um, which is used to be called primary and now Sonic. Uh, so basically it does have, in my opinion, like slightly better growth prospects. And also, um, you know, at $3.60 or even $4, which is the IPO price, basically the market didn't seem to be pricing in much testing it seemed to be, if you look at the pro forma forecasts, you know, they're basically saying, oh, well, when they floated it, they're basically saying, oh, well, we've had our big outbreak. We're just going to control COVID. We're going to vaccinate everyone and then it won't be a problem. But that's not really how it worked out at all. And these guys have already, um, unlike a bunch of other COVID floats that, you know, have benefited from COVID, for example, Clean Space, which just listed and then downgraded and then just did no good. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys have actually upgraded to their to their prospectus guidance um, after having listed. So that's something I look for as well. So for me, at the moment, I'm holding. Um, uh, for me, this is not like a long-term trade. So I think it's probably slightly better than what Junebay seems to think it is. Um, I just think it's a new listing. It hasn't proven itself yet. So there is that skepticism, which is totally reasonable. There's mm-hmm. upside there. I think it's probably in a few years, I think there's a decent chance once the private equity guys are fully sold out and that overhang's gone, which also causes funds to hesitate. After all of these things get sold 
And if we're left with a higher level of testing than we had before, which I bet we will be because of COVID and all the variants and all that kind of stuff, I still think this is probably a decent business you'd want to put on your watch list. But for me right now, what it is, is a co- it's a trade on, it's a way for me to um, basically make money out of the terrible management of COVID in New South Wales, which I could see was happening in July. So I bought shares in it and you can see what's happened to that chart since July. It's just going straight mm-hmm. up. I'm just going to hold it while it keeps going straight up while there's all this situation see what the guidance is in the next results. They've already yeah. pre-given um, guidance. So we'll see what happens. But it's just a, that's the idea for me. It's just a medium-term or short-term play. play. Okay. Got it. There you go, Florence. That's Australian Clinical Labs for you. Reverse Solutions. This is for Jackson. Software solutions for wealth management for the insurers and the funds administration businesses. So guidance was cut. Uh, but it can be explained away by UK lockdowns because it's got significant exposure in the UK. Jumbe, do you like reverse solutions? Um, it's I do like this business. Um, I think it offers a very defensive sort of ongoing um, SaaS type of um, you know um, uh, type of earnings business, and it's not trading on the expensive multiple. Now, last twelve months gone through really tough periods because um, you know it's uh, uh, because of COVID related. Um, nothing was happening. No major contract was being um, you know. Uh, being 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 off uh, put on the sale and you know there was really nothing no new not many new contracts there was uh, that they could win so um this business has gone through really tough periods um i think it looks quite cheap um you know this result up up and coming i think um you know will show them at least get to their guidance they've downgraded a few times at least get to their guidance um i think the main challenge is the cash flow may not be as fantastic simply because um, the way they recognize some of the revenue and, you know, deferral of some of the services. So, um, you know, for me, it's a hold at this point. Um, you certainly need to see the market condition to become more buoyant again. Um, it's not expensive. Um, so next 12 months, hopefully it will be a much better time for them. Hold it if you've got it. Wait to get in. Uh, how about you, Claude? Because the company is trying to transition to a more subscription-based revenue model. That's what you want to see in companies like this, isn't it? Uh, yeah, for this kind of company, I, I guess that that's a, a positive. I think they're not really a SaaS business now. I think about 50% of their um, revenue is recurring at the moment. They're going to move away from having so much implementation and license fee revenue and professional services. Sorry, that's what they call implementation. Um, and make it more recurring revenue, which uh, might be, a, it will be a bit of a positive, but I think they're still only talking about getting it to about 70%. So this is still a business that will be, I wouldn't really call it, it's not really the same as a software as a service business that brings to mind something like zero where, you know, you start a new business today, you can log on and, and talk to your accountant and then suddenly you've just got this, you know, instance of zero spinned up, you know, out it costs them nothing and it's right there the same day. Um, it's a really different kind of kettle of fish. Um, this is business, this is legacy business to business software um, that was floated by private equity at what, you know, appears to have been a reasonable price and then it's re-rated and gotten overcooked and it's sort of, um, it's underperformed ever since then. It's it's always, you know, I think this is at least the second time I'm going to say it. Like they, of course, are forecasting a much stronger second half in order to reach their guidance. And I think that was probably about a year ago we were in exactly the same position. And then, of course, you can see the share prices dropped ever since then um, as, they, as they failed to come up with that heroic second half. So, 
you know, I wouldn't want to be a fund manager overweight this one into results looking for a heroic second half and then again missing it. Like, that's pretty embarrassing. Um, however, you know, sometimes it's in the embarrassing plays where you can um, make money because I'm sure a number of people would be scared of that now. But, yeah, for me, I'd say that this is uh, not that good a business. It grows by acquisition. It cobbles together like a bunch of businesses. Um, it has kind of lumpy profit. It doesn't seem to have, um, you know, a clear competitive advantage on the product end. Uh, it's it's okay for sure. It's it's doing okay, but nothing amazing. No uh, exciting, sustained organic growth there. Now, I would say, the the key time to get to buy this would would be if they're actually having success transitioning more to a recurring revenue yeah. uh, business, and then as a result, you're seeing that through more steady results. However, I also think that we were talking about this the other day in relation to Hanson. This is the kind of company you might see taken over. And that is probably one of the potential upside angles um, for this one. So, yeah, I'd say it's not my kettle of fish. So I guess for me, it'd be a sell. But I could see the thesis there for um, a number of reasons. It's not too bad either. Okay. All right. Well, we'll leave that one there then. Get to our next one on the list, which is Medical Developments. International MVP. This is for Srinath, who points out it was added to the call portfolio in June 2021 and has dropped 20% since. Is it a buy, a hold, or a sell? He can't work out if it's cheap or at 52 month lows for good reasons. June Bay. Look, this one is a sell for me. Um, look, uh, the, the main thing about this business, uh, look, I, I do believe the core of its product um, has a lot of um, future, um, which is Penthrox product, which has been used to be used around the world. And um, then, the, you know, maybe 50 years ago, they found if you use too much of it, um, it kind of caused, um, I think, you know, um, cardiac arrest and, you know, cause a lot of death. So um, around the world in major markets such as US and Europe, they all banned this product. Whereas in Australia, we actually worked out if you use a very limited amount um, in ambulances, emergency um, uh, environments, uh, it's actually really good to stop the pain and it doesn't create that side effect, which, you know, might kill you. Um, so, you know, Australia we've been using for 50 years and it's been fantastic. And, you know, and then so this company literally took this product to around the world, trying to get licenses, get them to review their decision and get licensed and into those big markets. Um, it had some success in Europe and, uh, you know, but these markets are pretty small. It's really just emergency market space. Um, and, um, and then the big key market is really the U.S. Um, and then it took it to the US. I think there was some um, negative feedback. And then the problem at this point is that they're just waiting for um, uh, the US um, FDA. And of course, you all know, you know, FDA is completely fixated about the vac- vaccination uh-huh. vaccines uh, for COVID. So I don't know when that might come through. Um, but honestly, I, I do feel, you know, capital uh, is better allocated put into something else um, than waiting for that to come through. Because it did, uh, you know, 50 years ago, did have a burst reaction. So it would take some time, um, you know, for that decision to come through, aside from the long queue at FDA. Right. So in the meantime, you could put your money someplace else to grow your money. Uh, this is the, the green whistle. It just occurred to me. I do know this company. That's right. Claude. That's yeah. Right. I think I've said it before, my kids are obsessed with Bondi Rescue and it's a good little program for the family to watch together. Uh, Claude, you ever use the green whistle yourself? I know you're a skier. Yeah, I have actually. 
um, when I broke my collarbone as a kid, that was very painful. And the green was always a godsend. Who doesn't love those things? Um, <laughs> but enough to yes. invest in this company when, to Jumbe's point, I mean, we know how long clinical trials and approvals take to come through. Yeah, so this is totally the exact kind of company that I totally would invest in and watch. Like, that's like music to my ears. Um, you know, first of all, this thing's down from over $7 to $4 and it's on a downtrend. So you've got to expect if you're going to buy shares in this you, before, it's, before it flattens and starts going up again, whenever that's going to happen, if you're going to buy shares, like it's on a downtrend and fund managers all see it as risky. It's getting smaller. It's getting dropped out of the index. It's not looking like it's going to be in the index. Now, that's what fund managers use to compare their performance with. So when something's in the index, they're asking themselves, oh, is this going to outperform or underperform? And if they think it's going to outperform or if it's a sexier one, they want to be in that one. So that's why, you know, when a stock gets in the index, it gets more fund managers in buying shares. Um, this is going the other way. So everything's going wrong. No fund managers like going to care about it. They're like, good, that's out of the picture. I don't have to worry about that. Man, you can see how that went up to like $10, which was crazy on speculation about being approved in America. Now, that history, it's great to hear someone talk about that history because uh, that is actually totally the relevant question. Um, however, the one little correction I'll say to Jinbei is like, it was mo it's mostly the concern with um, the Penthrox stuff. It was used um, as an analgesic for like full operations and stuff. So they're using much more of it. And it, what it was causing was um, renal toxicity. So I think that's your kidneys um, sort of failing after that. So what they've done is they've, you know, developed this other use for it, which is sort of in the acute when you're in the ambulance mm -hmm. and you just breathe a little bit in. And then as you get to the hospital, if you need surgery, you'll use something different. Um, so I think there is a place for it there. Of course, that's a separate question is when is the FDA going to ever approve it, if ever, which could be a long time waiting. Yeah. But the story meantime is basically that you've got a new management team who have, you know, done really well in the past and built businesses internationally, they have bought in personally with their own money. If you look at the announcements, you're going to see directors buying shares, right? So they, the people running this want to get in, they want to get in at current prices. And they, in fact, they have bought at higher prices. And the, the short-term goal is to just basically improve sales in Europe where it is already approved, right? So yes, the upside, the reason that it could ever get to $10 again would be FDA approval, but in the meantime, you still have a business that historically has been profitable with just its Pentrox business. And all it needs to do is improve its sales where it's already approved in Europe. And you could probably see it start to justify its current share price. So, yeah, I look, the risk reward, I'm expecting it to go down more until it improves results. And they're obviously taking out the trash with these are the results because they've just done this big review and they're doing a write down and all this sort of stuff. So it may be that these results are about to report. I'm hoping that's going to be the bottom. That's going to be the worst results to report before the new team starts to show some progress. But you just never know until those fundamentals do improve. And that's what you're looking for. So, you know, get I'm I own this from about five dollars. So I'm 20 percent down myself on this. But, you know, that doesn't matter. I'm just watching it. And, and as I see those improvements come through, I'll probably add to my position, especially if the directors are continuing to buy themselves. OK, uh so is this a buy for you now? Or yeah, would you I, wait? I, I mean, it, why catch a falling knife? Why not just wait for the report to see the figures, to see if it, it gets an uptick after that? Well, I think this report will be bad. So if it gets an uptick after this report, it'll just be because they, like, they say things that the market likes. Um, 
But yeah, the reason is that I, I just build a position slowly, right? So I've got mm. an initial position I can check for you, but I think it must be a 1% position or less. And it's basically me making sure that I'm paying attention, that I'm watching, that mm. I'm in it. Yeah, so 1.1% position. And um, yeah, basically, if you can perfectly time it so that you spot, you know, you spot some company you don't own shares in and you spot that the, the nature of it's changed, that the share price is flat and it's starting to get mm -hmm. better and the narrative's changing, yeah, that would be the perfect time to get in. And some people are really good at doing that. For me, I tend to try and see these things in advance. I'll buy some shares so I notice it and so I look at it every day. And then, um, and then, I'll, look, then I'll look to add, add to the position if the thesis I have for it does prove correct. If the thesis I have proves incorrect, then I'll just sell. Okay. But to me, at the current prices, if I didn't already have a little bit of shares, I would probably buy some. Okay, but got just it. Know that the, the momentum's not in your favor yet. That's yeah, the thing. yeah, and that would be my word of caution. And consider as well, this is information only. This is not financial advice, and it's definitely not specific to your situation. That is Claude's strategy, and thanks for sharing it with us. This one on our list. I mean, we might need to just do this one um, at, at a reasonable clip. Tama Wood, T W D. This is for Matt. Claude, I'll start with you. I know this is not the kind of company that you normally invest in. So what would any of your thoughts be on a buy, hold, sell for Matt? Uh, well, this is like a, um, I like this company. It's, you're right, it's not the kind of industry I, I generally invest in. But one thing that I think I do like is sort of founder-led companies that have aligned board and management that have got a long history of, you know, generally success and in Tamawood's case, paying out a lot of money to um, shareholders in the form of dividends. So these guys are in the business of like developing new houses essentially, but uh, they're, uh, I'm not sure if he's chairman, but their board member founder, um, his name's Lev, I'll completely not get his surname right. Um, so I'll just put it Lev M, I'll call him. But um, he also um, is the chairman of Advanced Nanotech, I've called now, he's quite, uh, um, he's quite a character and um, he's been buying shares not long ago at sort of not far below current prices. They've done some really great results. The, um, the environment for this home building is pretty good on the demand side at the moment. Um, in fact, the chairman's report sort of talked about um, there's been a introduction of government grants into an already buoyant housing mm -hmm. market um, and basically them talking about they haven't even been able to keep up with demand, basically, which is generally a good sign. Um, so for me, for somebody who's a retail investor in interested in stocks, you know, you could do a lot worse than buy some of Tamilwood, okay. just hold on for the div dividends, and also a great learning experience of, of a funny company to own, run by some successful but interesting characters. Um, it could be a good one. I'm definitely not against it, but I'd just call it a hold, probably. Uh, Jim Bay, I know that it's uh, probably a bit small uh, for your interest, but uh, do you like the fundamentals of the company given it's in that hot property space? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, I think the environment is fantastic for this business. Um, you know, the home builders, we just saw Mervac just reported talk about the residential space was fantastic. And um, But there's just a few word of caution at the moment is because of the uh, lack of materials and uh, supplies that, um, you know, we have heard from Britwork more recently and, uh, you know, some of the, um, you know, sh short-term impact and also lockdown related is, um, you know, July is pretty much no activity. 
um, and um, you know August is going to be a write-off as well. So there is a bit of air pocket coming up um, in terms of uh, volume um, air pockets. Um, I'm not sure you know which um, you know region and exposure they has around Australia. Um, you know if it's not New South Wales focused, then it's probably not a big deal. Um, but look, you know it is on the smaller end. I much prefer to play slightly the larger players. Um, uh, and uh, but knowing um, the the earning weaknesses is coming up for some of them in the next three months. So that would be an avoid, would it, for now? Avoid for me, yeah, for now. Okay, let's just quickly run through what we've learned so far. And the stock of the day was baby bunting. It's a hold from both of my guests. Jumbei does see it as a quality company, but it's had just such a great run. Claude questions where the further upside is from here, but it's a pretty well-run retailer. Megaport is a hold for Jumbei. She says, look, it's infrastructure for the future, um, but you want to see them to continue to execute and to sign those big contrasts. Claude, though, just can't get his head around the valuation. Australian Clinical Labs is a hold for Claude. It's on his watch list. It's not sexy, but he's of the view that we'll be doing these tests for a very long time to come. And it's uh, executed quite well thus far. Junbei says the quality operator in that space is primary, and that's where she would buy because it is, uh, look, she, she's not as convinced that it's going to be able to continue to get the margins it has been doing so through COVID. To Brevera Solutions, BVS is the ticker code for Jackson. Uh, look, Jumei says that it's not expensive. In fact, it's cheap. It's a hold for her. Uh, still not enough to get her to buy. And we've got uh, underperformance being the problem with this one for Claude. He says it's a serial underperformer, so he would not be buying it. It is not a good business. Medical Developments, MVP. This fits nicely with Claude's strategic view on how you can build positions in some of these companies that have a lot of blue sky. You can go back and listen to it if you want to see it again. It is a buy for him. It's a sell though for June Bay because there's a lot of the journey still left to come for this one. And there are other places that you could be making a profit in the meantime. And that brings us to Tama Wood. It's an avoid for Jim Bay. You've just heard her reasons why. And it's a hold for Claude because he's quite interested by the management team. And he likes when directors, when when management is buying into the own their own company. Taking a look at the stocks that have been added recently, Magnus Energy Technologies, Telstra, Rays, BHP, and Nick Scali. BHP is one of those companies, excuse me, that reports next week. Now, some of the stocks that have been removed, Link Administration, BetaShares, Asia Technology Tigers, ETF, and Evolution Mining. Quick programming note for you. Now's a good time to put some focus on your super, and we'll be chatting with a panel in the coming week to find out what you should be doing now to make the most of your future. And we'll also detail what your super your future means for you. Special event super returns brought to us by Virgin Money. Live Q&A, you can register on that address at the screen. Jim Lu from Tribeca Investment Partners and Claude Walker from A Rich Life for my guest hosts today. Jim Bay, I'm going to start with you for the BetaShares NASDAQ 100 ETF. You being an active fund manager still for viewers at home looking to gain exposure to some of those international themes, those big companies. NDQ is the ticker code. Um, what do you have to say for Luke? 
I've got to be consistent with my uh, my conviction that if you really want to uh, make good return, you put it into with uh, active investors and um, you know professional investors that will watch the market for you every single minute. Um, look, um, for for that aside, um, I think it offers a really good exposure uh, for um, you know retail investors that doesn't have access uh, to a lot of those research or want to man and want to manage the money themselves and to gain exposure to the U.S. Nasdaq. Um, you know, um, a sort of uh, kind of return. Um, so, yeah, it offers a good exposure to that. But knowing, um, you know, technology companies, um, they have done incredibly well. Um, NASDAQ has done incredibly well. Uh, in the next 12 months, things could be a little bit more choppy. So um, just be mindful of putting all your eggs in one basket, um, you know, just simply because, um, you know, growth companies and NASDAQ are incredibly quite expensive relative to some of the uh, businesses that's been hurt by COVID. And, very, um, it may well be in the next 12 months, those uh, COVID impacted businesses will do better, such as travel, restaurants, hotels. These ones might do better than the likes of NASDAQ. But put that aside, if you want exposure to the NASDAQ 100, um, this is um, probably an easy way of uh, gaining the exposure. Got it. Thank you, Junbei. Uh, what do you have to say about investing in an ETF uh, to gain that international exposure, Claude? Yeah, cool. I think it's a totally uh, sensible and fine thing to do. Um, you know, the Nasdaq's going to give you exposure to Google, Apple, Facebook, a bunch of those companies. They're not really expensive compared to a lot of the growth stocks you'll see on the ASX. So, yes, you're going to get some super expensive stuff in the Nasdaq as well, but you also just get some massive giants that are going to definitely be around in 10 years and probably just keep getting stronger. So, great beginners. Um, a, a good thing for a beginner to buy just to watch and, and and just know that it, that they own a bunch of all the tech companies they, they use every day. Got it. Let's get on to Costa Group. Junbei, you know I'm going to start with you on this one because I recall speaking to you about Costa Group for many years and you've always been a fan. <laughs> it has recently bought the largest citrus producer in Northern Australia. Do you still like Costa as much as you used to? Uh, look, um, I, I, I maintain I still like this business. Um, look, one thing that we have learned over the years is that even though um, the Costa has inv invested a lot of money in improving or trying to neutralize a lot of uh, growing conditions for its um, produce, um, still weather plays an enormous role. Um, you know, uh, Costa actually trying to invest and bring things in house, great a lot of um, produce of blueberries in the sort of, you know, more controlled condition. Um, still, you know, we, we just couldn't help when um, last couple of years, its produce was completely uh, devastated by, you know, different various growing conditions. So that really has hurt. Uh, the business enormously um, and uh, more recently I think they had a, a couple of issues uh, in terms of volume and things but putting that aside it certainly seems like the earning has bottomed um, next couple of years next 12 months or even more you should be able to look at double digit earnings growth um, just and this business is not just good Australia um, it's sort of a gain exposure into emerging Asia China um, and the demand has been very very strong um, it's really about just getting the you know right growing condition 
get those amounts supply to um, supply to um, to where the demand is um, and that will be the key over the next 12 months and it certainly seems like double digit growth is finally in place for this business to do well and at the moment most of produce prices are doing quite well so you know normally go I walk through a supermarket looking at the mushroom pricing the tomato pricing and the citrus pricing so at the moment they all look pretty expensive <laughs> so yeah, they do. fingers crossed um, that's right. That's right. So I like this business. It will take a little bit longer. It might take, you know, six months before the share price really start rallying. Um, I really think it's, um, it's you know, it's, it's sitting that reasonably good value space at the moment. It's a buy for me. It's a buy. Costa Group is a buy for Junbei Liu. Uh, to Junbei's point, you sort of have to be keeping your eye on citrus, on berries, on mushrooms. Uh, it's a lot. There's a lot of balls to juggle for Costa Group. Yeah, I mean, I would argue you don't have to put um, your eye on any of them because you just put the stock right in the bin as a terrible business that you should <laughs> never own. Um, the reason for that is because even though, you know, wait, we're through the recent things that have caused the um, caused the troubles for Costa Group and you can see in that share price there what happens if you're holding the shares at the wrong moment. But I'm near certain that there's going to be another day where the the share price does that again in the future. Now, I don't know if it's going to be in one year or two years or whatever, but this company, it reminds me of a version of like the, the kangaroo tree island plantation company that all burnt down in climate change. And, you know, people like, and now they're not going to even bother building the wharf or doing anything. Like this agricultural stuff is risky, right? It's super risky in a time where, I mean, look, it's, it's just a pure money loser. It's a super risky in a time when climate and all of those things are changing and make growing conditions more risky and more difficult. Um, and that's only going to get worse. And think about this, like the reason this thing is listed is because the family that's owned it for generations, I think, you know, this is their exit. And the thing is also you have to remember is this Costa Group, this listing, this doesn't even own the farms and stuff that it's actually growing on. They're, they're leased off like a separate company that owns all the land. Now, if you ask me, if you wanted to have exposure to farming in general, then the real thing to own would be the actual land, right? Because think about this, if the returns, if you know the price of all of our vegetables goes up in a sustainable way and Costa Group and all these growers start making more and more um, money off farmland, then the ultimate beneficiary of that is going to be whoever owns the farmland the prime agricultural farmland, that's what's going to go up because the, the, they can now charge more rent to, to tax on the profit of the people that are doing the growing. So, yeah, strategically, it just makes no sense. I would hard avoid this one unless you've got some short-term trade, you're going to get in and out, whatever, fair enough. But, yeah, long-term, I think it's a tough stock to own. Well, that is what makes a market disagreement. Jimbei, do you have a right of reply there? Uh, yeah, that's right. I think in defense for a lot of those agriculture businesses is that that's right. There is time to own them. But as a part of a portfolio, you should always have something like this. Um, you know, think about Grain Corp. Did you just see that recently they had this uh, fantastic upgrade? You know, it's, um, you know, the businesses like these, you just need to find the right price to pay for them. And uh, when the good growing condition comes through, you can take some more profit because the cash flow will be enormous. And another thing about Costa is that um, um, yes, the land will make a good return. However, it's a global business. Um, you know, Australia is quite mature in, in a way for a lot of those um, 
product and that's why Costa actually has gone offshore. Um, you know, it's there is technology and there is the insight and expertise in growing things in a controlled manner rather than just going out buying land. Um, and so certainly Costa has gone through a few years of tough condition, but we can see, um, you know, the latest, the downgrade was actually um, kind of little bit outside their control because borders closed, they couldn't actually get the labor. Um, and most of many of the agricultural or mining services have the same issue um, and uh, and of course you know we we will I will give them a little bit benefit of doubt but we have seen them executed quite well in selling to China in selling to other markets so um, you know fingers crossed but you know certainly um, for agriculture businesses there is there is a space in the portfolio got it thank you Jim Bay okay let's get to NIB holdings um, I've only got about 10 minutes left on the program three companies to get through guys <laughs> NIB holdings uh, how how do you view these, June Bay? This is for Lauren, by the way, in light of all the lockdowns that are happening. Yeah, look, uh, NI, uh, NIB. So, um, uh, so NIB is uh, is probably a hold at this point, and you will probably want to sell it <laughs> uh, in the next six months. Uh, same as Medibank. They are huge COVID beneficiary. Um, because of COVID, people are taking out more medical, uh, you know, private health insurance. Um, at the same time, not many people going to the hospitals, whether, you know, hospital was closed or whether people sort of just pushing out the elective surgery. Um, and so all of that means that the earning has been fantastic. Um, they're paying out a lot of cash flow. This result will look really good. Um, and uh, But when people do come back to the hospital, um, you know, things will reverse for these guys. So, you know, probably a hold for the next six months. Got it. Now, how about you, Claude, as far as the insurers, the health insurance specifically? I think uh, June Bay has given a really good summary of that, so I won't add much other than just to say that NIB, I think last I checked, has a slightly younger cohort of, um, you know, customers versus some of the other insurers, which you could argue makes it structurally higher quality. So, yeah, maybe it's the bigger them for some people, but that's that's my two cents. I agree with her overall prognosis, which is probably now is not the time to be getting into this. Yeah, got it. Thank you, Claude. Now, Reckon is one that reported this week. This is for Philippa. I had a good chat with the CEO uh, the day after the results were announced. This is a, a software company, you know, accounting software company, but it's paying dividends. It's uh, making a bit of profit. It is, though, Claude, a very competitive landscape. Yeah, right. And um, I think that Reckon is losing. Uh, the the competition and I think that the share price has jumped up recently um, largely because another company called Novati is trying is trying to make a strategic investment perhaps you know with the end game of trying to buy out Reckon and actually for the last few few years now the the founders of Reckon seem to have been looking for perhaps an exit so they listed a bunch of their more exciting growth businesses separately on the UK stock exchange a few years ago leaving the more mature uh, business in Australia that you'd argue is actually losing the competitive threat, and actually you can see that was actually 2018 that that that, that all that far, that faster growing part of the business was skived off. So you can see it sort of languished under a dollar since then. And just remembering the only reason it's up now is because somebody has taken an interest. Navati Group, you know, they've got 20%. It looks like they maybe want to take it over or something like that. So yeah, I'd, I'd tread cautiously here. I don't think you've got a great quality business to fall back on, but it's certainly not terrible either. Got it. Now, uh, Jimbei, what do you make of Reckon, if anything at all? 
Oh, I agree. I think, you know, in the accounting software, it's honestly, it's about scale and uh, access, you know, and essentially scale. Um, and, uh, you know, with better scale, you've got investing better people and more products and the like. Um, um, back zero, um, you know, just put your money with zero um, rather than this little one. Earning has, revenue has pretty much um, gone flatlined for the last many years. Um, it just really struggled to, to really take the next step. Um, I think eventually it'll probably get taken private, exactly as uh, clauses and but we don't know where when and we don't know how and so you know I probably wouldn't be in there just to um, you know waiting for that M&A opportunity um, I think <laughs> M&A opportunities often comes after share price pool collapses before it um, yeah. you know the, the the strategic buyer comes through so that's that's it yeah okay so that is a no for reckon from both of our guests no. the last on the list is domain for Jacinda Jinbei we got a bit of an insight perhaps into what we could expect with REA Group's result last week. But if you take the two together, I mean, do you think that REA is a better quality business? What could do Domain do in its upcoming result to, to really pull ahead of the pack? Yeah, that's interesting because REA, is, what the share price reaction to REA's result was very clear. It's almost investors are not looking past the current impact of lockdown, current lockdown impact. So REA result was pretty good and, you know, everything was in line. It's really just they said, look, currently, um, you know, listing, it will be impacted because of lockdown. Nothing's really happening in, in Sydney, for example. So um, I think Demay sort of fell in, um, in relation um, to that news flow. Um, I think the result itself, there will be a little bit of focus on costs as well. Um, so, you know, REA cost was a little bit higher. Um, but look, you know, I think it's more than reflected in the share price. So I think the result will come through. It will be a good result. Trading update will be very similar to REA's, um, you know, but that is merely a deferral of what is to come because every time when the lockdown gets lifted, we see significant pickup and hopefully by spring comes, which is September, um, by end of September, we have reached a high enough vaccination rate so that we can go and look around the houses and, uh, you know, all the listings will pick up again. Yeah, so it's not, it's an avoid right now or it's a hold? Oh, no, no, I, I like Domain, yeah. No, okay. it's, it's, you can say hold for now or you can buy for now. I think the result is not going to present significant surprises. Okay. How about you, Claude? Uh, obviously, we're locked down, but we know what property has been doing in Australia. And to June Bay's point, I mean, you can't, you can almost feel the anticipation for people to get out and start hunting again. Yeah, I, I have no doubt that this is this business will easily just cruise past uh, the the short term problems that we're having with COVID. It's a good quality business. Obviously, REA is an even better quality business. They're both great. Like they're both they're a duopoly, right? In, in a in a really valuable market that they get to sort of tax seemingly forever. So yeah, they're good businesses. They're quite expensive businesses. I reckon that they could have a place in the portfolio of someone, um, you know, a reasonable father-in-law stock. It could be held by someone that's looking for good quality businesses that are growing and just to hold long-term. I don't see a screaming opportunity right now. Then neither of them are pretty cheap and neither of them are particularly cheap. Large cap quality is generally rather expensive at the moment. Um, so I've been fishing more in stuff that's a little bit more hated or small cap or a little bit, you know, I just don't see the opportunity. You need a sell-off to get a really good opportunity in these bigger companies generally. But yeah, it's a decent quality business, so I'd give it a hold. A hold. That brings us really well-timed, guys. Thank you to the end of this program. We'll run you through what we learned. We've got Costa Group being a buy from June Bay. She likes the business. Obviously, there are risks. 
but they can be managed and you could have some exposure to the agri story through Costa. Very different story coming from Claude who says you can pretty much put the stock in the bin. NIB Holdings, it's a hold, uh, but a sell within the next six months for June Bay and Claude because this is not the reality, hopefully, that we'll be living in forever in terms of COVID and keeping some of those claims at bay. Uh, June Bay says with Reckon, why wouldn't you just buy zero? Um, Claude thinks that it's losing the competitive edge and uh, he sees that the business has been priming itself for some sort of a takeover potentially. Domain, it's a buy for June Bay. She likes the company. We love our property and she sees that these lockdowns you know, will pass. Everybody's crossing their fingers and their toes. Claude agrees with her assessment. So that brings us to the end of the program. Claude Walker from A Rich Life, June Bailu from Tribeca. I know you don't have crazy plans this weekend, but I hope you enjoy it regardless. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We'll see you guys soon. If you would like us to cover a company for you, please flick us an email. We've got a couple coming in through the program already. It's the call at osbiz.com.au. And I noticed that somebody did tweet us today with some stock picks at Osbiz TV. It's rare that we can get to them on the day that you tweet them, but we'll put them on our list for next week. And you can check out that portfolio in more detail at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.